Psalm 23 reads this, my favorite psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely the goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Are you happy? <laughs> Christina. <laughs> it's like a forced smile. I just happened to look at Christina. I say, are you happy? She goes, <laughs> are you happy? You know, I'm, I'm I, you know, my football team's no good, so I'm not happy. But, you know, it's an interesting question because it's a very subjective question. Because uh, some people can be happy when you're in exactly the same situation as when you're in someone else and you might not be happy. You know, some people are happy because they got, you know, they, they got a job to go to tomorrow. Some people aren't happy because they got a job to go to tomorrow, you know. You know? Some people are happy that they're, you know, 55 kilograms. And some people are not happy that they're 55 kilograms, even though it's, you know, the same sort of number. Are you happy? It seems like a silly question, but, you know, I, I guess the reality is everyone in life wants to be happy. No one, no one wakes up and sort of thinks to themselves, well, I don't want to be happy today. I want to live a miserable life today. You know, no one thinks like that. You know, we want to be satisfied. We want fulfilling lives. You know, trust me, you didn't wake up this morning and think to yourself, how can I waste another day of my life doing somewhat meaningless things? You know, uh, how can I be an absolute failure in the things that I uh, am or who I am? Or No one really thinks like that. So what do we do? What do we do? We pursue happiness. And a lot of the ways that we try to pursue happiness is through things that are fulfilling or things that are satisfying or things that we can consume. We study, we work, we make friends, we get married, we have children, we buy cars and houses. We play sport to stay fit. We get massages to be relaxed. We get facelifts. We get our eyes done. We travel. We sightsee. We save. We spend. We consume. We sell. We, and we, we do all of these things because what we're trying to do is we're trying to fulfill this pursuit of happiness. Actually, if you think about it, most of our lives, most of our lives are consumed with this question, how can I be happy? How can I be satisfied? How can I be complete? And what we try to do is we try to fill our life with more and more and more and more because we think that that is the answer to fulfillment, that is to have more. But what I want to do tonight is I want to spin this question around another way and, 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 and get you to see it from a different angle. Is is the way to true happiness, an accumulation of things and people and relationships. Is that really the way to true happiness? 
What if happiness or satisfaction was not found in what we gain or consume or obtain, but actually was finding ourselves in a place where we didn't need any of this? Isn't that what the state of true satisfaction is? That, that you are happy and satisfied with where you are, and so you actually don't need anything else. See, the world tells us that for us to live happy lives, we need to have more and more and more. But what the Bible is going to teach us tonight is this. True contentment doesn't come when you have more. True contentment comes when you don't need that more. When you don't need it. And we see this in Psalm 23. Now, Psalm 23, uh, one of the more famous Psalms, is written by a guy called David, who was the king of Israel. And Psalm 23, even though it's only 23 out of 150 chapters in Psalms, Psalm 23 is written towards the end of David's life. Okay, it's not David writing this in his teenage years. This is David writing this in his older years. And what David is doing is he's looking back on his life. He's looking back on the things of his life and he's reflecting on his life. And as he reflects, he writes Psalm 23. And, and the whole psalm is really summarized in the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. In other translations, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. David answers the question of fulfillment and contentment as he looks back on his life and he sums it up with this one verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. David will continue throughout the psalm to explain why this is the case. But really the answer to happiness, fulfillment and satisfaction, the idea that we don't lack anything is found in that phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, I don't know if you've ever met a shepherd, a real shepherd, but a shepherd is a person that looks after sheep. That's their job, right? They're out in the fields, they're out in the the pastures, and their job is literally to look over a flock of sheep. Uh, there's probably not many of us that have actually met a real shepherd, okay, because you don't really see sheep, you know, walking around in Chatswood. But David was a shepherd, right? And this is what's cool about when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he's saying it in the context of what he knows is to be real. Right? So a shepherd, right, to put it real simply, they look after their sheep. Their job is to look after the welfare of their sheep, to make sure that the, the needs of the sheep are taken care of, that they are protected and kept healthy or kept alive. See, there are two things that we need to understand about sheep. The first thing is that they are stupid animals. And the second thing that you need to know about sheep is that they are stupid animals. Sheep are known as one of the dumbest animals in the world. 
Okay? If someone has ever called you a sheep, that's not because you're cute. Okay? Wow, you're like a sheep. Okay? That, that's not a compliment. Don't say, wow, thank you. you know? Okay? Okay, they're looking down on you because sheep are considered one of the dumbest animals in the world. Sheep don't have the capacity to think for themselves. You know this idea like you're just following them like sheep. You know, sheep just go where everyone else goes. Sheep just go where they're led. And, and you hear stories of sheep, literally one falls off the cliff and the other one goes, I wonder where that sheep went and then just jumps off as well. And then the other guy goes, oh, well, you know, peer pressure and just jumps off as well. And you hear of these stories of sheep getting themselves into trouble because they don't have the capacity to make a decision outside of, I'm just going to follow. Sheep can't fight for themselves. They can't fend for themselves. They're useless Cotton buds. That's what they are. Big cotton buds or big clouds with legs, you know. If sheep are left alone, they will die. They're not smart enough to work out how to survive. They, they will just die. Now, what we need to understand is that, that not to kill your self-esteem, but, but we are like sheep. And as much as we like to think a little bit more highly of ourselves, realistically, if you think of yourself in a holistic manner, okay, you don't really make the best decisions for your life. Uh, we, 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 you don't do that sort of every time. You, you don't have a 100% track record of, of knowing what's best for you. You, you don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow, so you have very little control over your life as well. See, this is going to go against, I guess, what some of you guys might think about yourself and about human, uh, humans and mankind, but, but man is really not that good enough or smart enough or skilled enough or talented enough or famous enough or rich enough to just be whole in the world by themselves. On our own, we're left with very little direction. On our own, we're, we're, we're left with little guidance. We are like the sheep. And so that's why when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. David's painting this picture of us as this, this helpless sheep. But all of our fulfillment and all of our um, satisfaction and our happiness and our protection and our guidance, everything that we need as a sheep comes from the shepherd. And when the Lord is our shepherd, then we really don't need anything else. It said David was a shepherd, so he knows what it means to be a shepherd. You know, there are stories uh, where he, he, he was protecting his flock of sheep, and, and he, he fought off a, a tiger, he fought off a, 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 a bear, you know, like he, he's been in this situation. So when he says, when the Lord, is my the Lord is my shepherd, he knows what that means. It means that God is there to fight for us and to fend for us and to guide us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. So what does it mean? 
What does it mean for our lives when, when we say, the Lord is my shepherd? And this is what David then goes on the next five verses and shows us and paints us a picture of what it means for us as sheep, as, 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 as uh, followers of God, of believers of God. What does it mean for us? What does it look like? And David's going to, he's going to paint us this beautiful picture. And I'm just going to go through this because there's nine things in here that David writes, and, and it shows us, well, this is what it means when the Lord is my shepherd, okay? And as we go through these things, I want you to ask yourself, is that something that I need? Is that something that I want? Is that something that, that I desire? Okay? So let's go through the rest of this, this psalm. And uh, yeah, I'm going to fly through this. The, the first thing that we understand when the Lord is my shepherd is that He provides us rest, Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, you've got to use your imagination, okay? You've got to picture this in your head. You know, like, think of, like, you know, the mountains and the valleys and the rivers running through it and, you know, the lush green grass. And, you know, you've got to use that imagination. And so, uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, this idea that, that the sheep are just following the shepherd and the shepherd takes them to where the good green grass is, where the healthy grass is, where the nutrients is. And he gives them space and he gives them time to relax and just lie down. You know, we're not, we're not talking about the drought-stricken Australian outback where, you know, you know the, the, there is no green grass. You know, it's just sand, you know, dirt. You know, we're, we're talking about this beautiful, lush green grass, you know, if you... If you're old enough, you know, think of like um, the sound of music and, you know, the kids are like, you know, do a dear feet. You know, they're, they're like climbing up those mountains and, you know, like, I don't, I don't know, some of you guys haven't even seen Sound of Music. It's so uncultured, you know. It's this beautiful picture of this beautiful lush grass. And in that, the shepherd leads the sheep there and says, you can rest. You can rest while I look over you. The second thing that, that God gives to us when He's our shepherd is He gives us peace. And we see this in verse 2. He leads me beside quiet waters. The quiet stream, not the rushing rapids, but the quiet waters. Not where things pop up and bite you. But there is this tranquility, this peacefulness that David describes. The shepherd leads me beside these quiet waters, this peaceful place. You know, maybe some of you are looking for that place of peace right now. Thirdly, he restores us. Verse 3, he restores my soul. The lush grass is to lie down. The, The quiet water is to walk alongside. And as we do that, he restores our soul. And a lot of us, we don't really know what that means. We, you know, when we start talking about the soul, we, we, we kind of get a little bit like, well, what's the soul? It's just your inner, that inner inside of you. You know, we live in such a busy life that our souls are filled with action, worry, and anxiety rather than rest and peace. But the shepherd makes sure that not only are we getting rest and peace, but through that, our souls are being restored. Our souls are being restored. We're being filled from the inside. Not only do we receive peace, rest, and restoration, we receive guidance. Verse 3, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The, The shepherd is always in the lead. 
He's always guiding his sheep. And for the stupid sheep that don't know what to do, all the sheep need to do is follow the sheep. They said, you leave the sheep and they, will, they, they, can, they can find wrong ways and right ways all by themselves. But when the shepherd guides us, when the shepherd guides the sheep, the sheep just have to trust the shepherd and follow. It's the right path. The shepherd takes the sheep on the right path. But not only through times of goodness, but it's also times of trouble. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley, I think I have a different version. Nope. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, at this point, as I said, we're, you're imagining the lush green grass, but, but within the mountains or between trees, there are, are dark places. We all know what they are. We all know in life there are dark places. These places where the Bible says it's the, the, the valley of the shadow of death. The, the reality in our lives is not, none of us can avoid these valleys. The, the psalmists, all the psalmists are so real. None of us can avoid the valley of the shadow of death. You know, uh, sadly, some of us are in the valley of the shadow of death. Like some of you right now are experiencing that in your life. But David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he, David is saying that, that God is continuing, the shepherd continues to guide through that. Continues to guide us through. He says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. See, when we're following the shepherd, and because we trust the shepherd, even in the valley of the shadow on death, even when you're going through hardship, even when you're going through struggle, because of who the shepherd is, and because we're following him, we can trust him, we will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. And that's the fifth thing that we have is companionship. For you are with me. When the Lord is my shepherd, we always have him with us. The Lord will never leave your side, whether life is good or bad. The Lord will never leave your side. He will be your companion in this journey called life. And because He is with us, because of His presence in our lives, we have nothing to fear. So many times we fear, we struggle because we feel alone, because we feel like we need to have the answers for ourselves. We need to be the solution to our own problems. But when the Lord is our shepherd, you don't need to do that. You just need to let him be your shepherd. Uh, sixth thing is when the Lord is our shepherd, we have protection. Verse 4, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord protects us. It's not that the Lord will make your trouble go away, but the Lord will fight when the trouble comes to you. As I said, you and I cannot avoid trouble in our life. Please, please don't be mistaken when suddenly trouble turns up and you think, God, do you not love me? God, are you not here? No, no, no. Trouble's here, even with God. But the difference when, when the Lord is our shepherd is that we don't have to fight this ourselves. 
the, the, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Comfort me. In, in the old day, the, the shepherd would have this long staff, and that would be their weapon of choice. And so when trouble came their way, whether it be wild animals or whether it be, you know, neighboring, you know, armies or whatever, like they've got this staff to protect the sheep. They are protecting their sheep. Not only does, uh, does the Lord provide protection, but he also gives us provision. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And there's two things that we see in this. You prepare a table before me talks about the provision in our life. Like God, it's like God setting a table for you. God providing for you the things that you need in your life. But it's interesting but because he, he, only, he not only just provides, but he also does it in the presence of our enemies. Once again, showing us the element of protection that, that, that even, in, even in the sight of trouble and hardship, God continues to provide. Even in the presence of our enemies, the Lord has no fear to continue to provide for us. And maybe some of you are in that position where you need some provision. Number eight. It's anointing. When the Lord is my shepherd, we are anointed. Verse 5, you anoint my head with oil. To anoint someone's head with oil was a sign to set them apart. This is what happened when kings were inaugurated. When, when a new king would come, the priest would come and they would anoint the king. They would put oil on, on the forehead of the king. And it was to show everyone that was there that this person is set apart. This person is special. And so when the Lord is my shepherd and, and, and when the shepherd anoints my head with oil, it's the, it's the Lord anointing us, setting us apart for a life that is different from the rest of this world world some of us we, we don't believe this some of us aren't living this out but i promise you when when you live in god's economy god does not want you to live the same life as everyone else in this world you have a special call and god gives you that it's not you have to create that but god gives that to you he anoints you he he sets you apart and finally the ninth thing that oh sorry there's 11 <laughs> My bad. The ninth thing, verse 5, is blessing. When the Lord is my shepherd, there is blessing in my life. <laughs> I'm going on holiday this week. Maybe I'm already on holiday mode. It says, my cup overflows. The cup overflowing is a sign of blessing. Now, uh, blessing isn't just about filling your cup. It's about the overflow. When the Lord is our shepherd, the blessings in our life are not just enough for you, but they overflow in your life. They overflow in your life. Prosperity to the nth degree. The tenth thing is favor. God provides us favor. Verse 6, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Put simply, good things and acceptance will be with me all the days of my life. This is talking about favor. Talking about being special. Talking about blessing. Not only will there be goodness and love, but it will follow you. It will follow you, and not just today, and not just tomorrow, but the rest of your days. God's favor will follow you. I don't know why, but out of all of them, that one excites me. It excites me because it doesn't mean that I have to come to church for God's favor. It doesn't mean that I have to, uh, you know, have a Bible open to receive God's favor, that, that wherever I go, whether it be here, or whether it be my home, or whether it be my workplace, or whether I'm traveling, whatever it is, that, that actually the favor is so good that it follows me wherever I go. 
Eleventh thing, when the Lord is my shepherd, he provides us a home. Verse 6, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Talking about the eternal dwelling place of God in the Lord's own house. He provides us a home, not just for this life, but for all eternity. Now, I don't know about you, but the idea of living in the house of God, existing in the house of God, not just for the 80, 90, 100 years of this life, but for all eternity, eh, that excites me. That comforts me. Rest. When the Lord is my shepherd, rest, peace, restoration, guidance, companionship, protection, provision, anointing, blessing, favor, and a home. See, but the thing we understand is this is it's not when so, so David says this the Lord is my shepherd. And I want to put it to you. All of these things are available when the Lord is my shepherd. You know, all of these things, all of these blessings and all of these uh, favors and things like that are only really available for the sheep that are belonging to that shepherd. You know, a lot of the time, you know, we kind of think that this is sort of for everyone and anyone. But, but if you really think about it, it's only when you decide to allow God to be your shepherd. Friends, sometimes we think about this, these things, right? Rest, restoration, you know, favor, blessing. And we think, wow, they're great things. I'd love to have those things. I'd love to be in a place where all of those things are, are in my life so I don't need anything else. And, and honestly, sometimes when we think about it, it kind of sounds too good. You know, this living a life of, of satisfaction. You know, like, is it really true? Is it really possible? Is it, is it maybe too good to be true? We might want this and desire this, but for many of us, honestly, this kind of life is impossible. You know, you read a psalm like this and you go, wow, that's a great imaginary picture. It's like a Disney movie or a fairy tale. But can I tell you, friends, this is real life. It can be real life. Psalm 23 is not a fairy tale, but it can be your reality as well as mine. Why? Because the good shepherd isn't a made-up character. The good shepherd is our Lord Jesus. John 10, 11 to 16 reads this. And these are the words of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand, cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice. and There shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd that lays down his life for his own sheep. When did he do that? He did that on the cross. Why? To take away the greatest problem that we have in our lives as lost sheep is, is the sin inside of us that separates us from God. It's this sin that blinds us. It's this sin that, uh, that takes away purpose and meaning in our lives. 
But Jesus, the good shepherd, he laid down his life in place of yours so that you can enjoy life, that we get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, you need to combine these two ideas. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I lack nothing. And Jesus is the good shepherd. So once again, I go back to this idea that all of these things are great and all of these things are available, but it's only when, when the Lord is your shepherd, only when you decide to allow Jesus to be your shepherd, meaning that you will follow Jesus. You know, I read through that list and even in my own life, I feel like I need so much more of that. I'd love some more peace in my life. I'd love my soul to be restored. I'd love more provision, whether that be people or finances or resources. And sometimes I think to myself, well, when's it all happening, God? <laughs> you promised these things. You know, I want these things. They're good things. I want them, but where, when is it? And, 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 and at that point, Jesus, the good shepherd, says to me, trust me, just follow, and you will lack nothing. And I think so many times, we just live our lives trying to fill ourselves with our, what we would think is lack. Whether it's more money or more study or, or more work or more relationships or more meaning or more fulfillment. And, and, and Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the good shepherd. And if you allow me to be your shepherd, then I can give you a life that lacks nothing. To wake up tomorrow morning not worried, not anxious about the future. So to wake up tomorrow morning and not have to be concerned about what I'm going to be doing today. To wake up tomorrow morning and not have to fly off and to obtain something, to question my purpose, to question what I'm doing here. What am I doing with my life? To wake up tomorrow morning not worried about broken relationships in your life. Or brokenness inside of your heart. To not have to run off and try to fill my life. But to wake up in the morning. And to be able to declare these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I know you need this. Because I need this too. But it comes down to this, friends. When the Lord is your shepherd. See, so many times, right? We get this kind of half-baked shepherd or half-baked sheep. Yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus for some things and then other things I'm just going to do my own thing. And you kind of think, well, why, why do I still feel so empty in my life? Because you're trying to be your own shepherd. That's like, I don't know if you guys ever watched Shaun the Sheep. One of my favorite cartoons on ABC, right? Shaun the Sheep is, it, it, they have a bunch of sheep and there's this one sheep called Shaun. And he's like the leader of the pack. And he always says, let's try to do this and let's try to do this. And they always get in trouble. 
That's like you trying to be the master of your life. And as much as I said, you might have a high self-esteem and you may not have failed, but I promise you, you will hit a wall one day if you haven't already hit that wall and realize that you do not have the answers to the questions in your life. You do not have the answers to, to understanding how you can have peace and rest and restoration of your soul. You don't hold the keys to those answers. You do not control tomorrow. None of us do. None of us woke up in the morning and say, I have clear clarity on my purpose and mission in my life because I just know what I'm meant to do. No, we live in, a, we live in a, a chaotic world where people have no idea who they are. They have no idea what their purpose is. And you think that, you know, by consuming more and, 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 and having more and obtaining more is going to fulfill that. And you know what? The theory of that really gets thrown out the window when you look at the richest people in the world or the most famous people in the world. You would think under that theory that the more that you have, the more satisfied your life would be. But then why are these rich, famous people that own countries and companies, why are they so miserable? Why are they turning to substance abuse? Why do we hear about suicide if they're so satisfied? If really the answer is consumerism, and it's not. The answer to our lives of being happy or being satisfied or fulfillment is not what more can I have to fulfill this gap, but it's what can I have so I don't need to fill this gap. And the answer to that is the Lord being my shepherd. Whatever situation you're in, and I know I'm speaking across a full board today. Whatever situation you're in, whether you are lacking in finance, whether you are lacking in relationships, whether you just don't have peace in your heart, whether you're so busy and tired in your life, whether you have no clarity in the direction of your life, you don't know what you're doing. I'm telling you, friend, you will not find the answer by trying to find the answer in this world. By filling your life with the things of this world will not make you happy, will not satisfy you. But when the Lord, Jesus Christ, is your shepherd, when you allow Jesus Christ to be your shepherd, meaning that you give Him control, you follow Him where He leads you, whether it be the lush grass or whether it be through the valley of the shadow of death, wherever you might be, if Jesus is your shepherd and you are allowing Him to lead you, you have nothing to fear and you have nothing that you lack. Friends, I pray that you would have that life and it's not a fairy tale life. You might be thinking to yourself, preacher, that's a great sermon, too theoretical, and I'm telling you now, it's not. You can have this life, this life waking up in the morning and being at peace, at rest, knowing that no matter what happens today, because the Lord is my shepherd, because the Lord is my shepherd, I pray that you desire this. I know I know some of you are going through a tough time in life. 
I don't have to, you know. I know that some of you, all of you are missing bits and pieces in your life. You don't have to tell me that. We live in a broken world. But the answer isn't finding more things to obtain and collect and consume. The answer is to find Jesus because then you don't need to obtain, consume, or cry. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. I'm going to read the whole chapter again. And I want you to just, just receive this into your life. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I pray this over your life tonight. Let's pray.